Yeah, we're going to let some man come on a little while and talk to me about his story about uh, being in jail for 10 years with the IRS. Him and his wife, his wife went for four years, and uh, they're looking at another 20, 30 years. So we'll let them come on in a little while. Most times I figure somebody's in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. They must have did some hellacious violent crime. So all I know is like jail and, you know, help my buddy get out of prison. I was like, prison? Oh, that means it's a felony. It means it's at least two years, and it means that this guy must have done some really horrible shit. So it says, hello, Cole, my name is you. I wish to talk to you, all you, like you, you Hefner, H-U-G-H-H. I wish to talk to you to assist a good man to get out of jail. Please contact me at, at yahoo.com. He needs your help and knowledge. I have donated to you and will continue to do so. So obviously this guy who donated to me, um, you know, Mr. Uh, McGinley, obviously those people ain't going to be able to pay me a freaking dime. Because the, dad, the, the the man already did 10 and the wife did 4. So it's like, and this and when I found it was an IRS issue, I was like, this is obscene. Because this is like the only industrialized nation on planet Earth that puts people in jail over debt. Russia doesn't do it. China doesn't do it. France doesn't do it. Why do we do it? So when I heard that they're putting people in jail over debt, to to who? To, to, to the government? Which, which government? What do they owe the government? What did the government do for them? It just doesn't make any sense to me. That they, You say, wait a second, I just owe you a debt. It's like, okay, let's work out a payment plan. No, let's just throw you in jail. Well, that's ridiculous. How are we going to make any more money if our asses are sitting in jail? Why don't you just garnish my check? Why don't I just work out a deal? No, let's just throw your ass in jail for 10 years. That makes no sense. You're taking a productive member of society out for 10 years for what? Hey, Larry, you owe me 10 grand, so I'm going to stick you in a box for 10 years. Well, how am I going to get my ten grand? Your ass is sitting in a box. It makes no sense to me, the logic that they're using. It's like, well, you owe me ten grand. Okay, for the next ten years, I expect to get a, you know, I expect to get a, um, let's see, uh, twenty bucks a, a week from you. That's a thousand dollars a year. He says, uh, please, when you have a moment, send me an email. Let me know what to put in the subject line so I can give you the details to help this good man get out of jail. He was wrongfully detained for eight or nine years. Thank you. And the man's name is you. So I said, uh, hi, what is with this prison case? And the guy wrote back and says, hello, call. Briefly, the prison case is about a man named Kent, formerly a high school science teacher for 15 years. Then he started a truth ministry to teach truth about evolution, the lies that they put in school textbooks. He even had his own TV show, a creation show series. He taught the pyramid of God, then man, then government back in the 1990s. It's like, holy crap. This guy taught the pyramid of God and man. It's like, wait a second, I do that. And after 2005, the government came after him. He was charged for not paying income taxes. No defense was basically allowed. Well, this guy says he was railroaded into serving 10 years, and his wife, I think, served four years. His 10 years are up. And they, some woman or men, like in the government, want to get him on mail fraud and give him 20 or 30 more years. This case is supposed to start on March 9th. So March 9th is only uh, maybe two, three weeks away. So obviously, I want to help this guy. Obviously, I want to see if this guy is legit. Obviously, the guy will not be able to give me any money. If he just came out of jail after 10 years, I guarantee I can't say, hey, dude, this is going to take me a couple of weeks to get you up to speed. You know, um, how much money you got? That's going to sound pretty crazy because he's not going to have anything. 
So while he was learning all this man and God and government stuff, that's wonderful, dude. That's lovely. The only problem is, do you know how to get in and out of court? And he didn't know how to do it. So obviously, when he went against the IRS for income taxes, he had no clue how to get in and out of court. So he spent 10 years in jail. What he is, is he's an evangelist, if you would, you know, for creation and stuff like that, telling how, you know, God created the world and things like that. He had his own... uh, talk show he had his own ministry and through his ministry he had trustees doing all the taxes and things like that not a tax protest or anything like that so he wanted to make sure everything was done legally and lawfully and it was done legally and lawfully up until supposedly about 2003 and then some other guy took over as uh, as a trustee or something like that and they did the same everything this guy was trying to do was legally and lawfully and when they came after him they came naturally with the codes, and he knew the codes enough in court to say, you know, show me the law that I broke. Uh, the codes that you're using don't show because he's a minister and all that stuff that he's done anything unlawful or anything like that. So he went through the whole trial of trying to say what you say, show me the law, please, show me the law. If I owe a debt, I'll gladly pay it. I don't say show me the law, show me the law. I said, yeah, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of your law. Your yes. law, not my law, your law. I'm sure right. I'm guilty of your law. The only problem is that I live in a common law land, and I'm going to require you to put a man on that stand to testify that I owe a debt, that I'm guilty of anything. I'll agree that I owe a debt if you show me the bill, if you show me the man, if the man comes forward and makes the claim true. Do you say I owe a debt? And look over the prosecutor, you say I owe a debt? Yes, then take the stand. Well, are you saying I owe you the debt? Well, well, No. Well, then who do I owe? The United States government. Will the United States government take the stand? Well, no. Well, then you know what? You call me up when they're ready to take the stand to testify that the debt is true. Okay? And then I'll pay it. I got the checkbook right here. I got the money in my hand. But it, it, somebody's going to have to verify that it's true. I'm not just going to pay because you said so. I guarantee but, I owe a debt. I guarantee I owe many debts. So I guarantee I owe dozens of millions or trillions of debts. Yeah, but who, who's claiming I owe the debt? Well, he says, he, okay, look, I tried to say last week on a show, the word for debt and guilt is the same word in German. So if you tell me I'm guilty, yeah, I am. I'm sure I am. I'm sure I owe debts. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure there's dozens of outstanding, trillions of outstanding debts that I owe mankind throughout the world for services or products that were delivered to me and I didn't give them a fair and just compensation yet. Fine. Not a problem. Where is the man that's going to come forward and say, I failed to pay him, you know, 22 years ago because he gave me uh, air in my car tire? Exactly. Bring it forward and I'll pay him. Uh, we used every defense we possibly could, blah, 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 and nothing seems to work. Dude, there is no defense against the IRS. That's their case. If you go into an IRS court and they call you a defendant, you ain't got a defense. You've got no standing, you've got no say, you've got nothing. Let's not go back, you know, tens of that. Let's just go back to Roman law. A debtor has no standing in court. A debtor has no voice. A debtor has no say-so. All a debtor needs to say is, I am a debtor. Can all the creditors come forward so I can pay the debts? That's all. Because you can't argue with the creditor. Just bring the damn bill and swear that it's true. 
and I'll no, pay it sure. because no creditor will ever be dishonorable and bring forth a claim that that's true because he knows what's going to happen if he brings forth a false claim. He's going to be beheaded. He will die today. And that's exactly the way right. it should be. That's the way it's been since mankind began. You bring a false claim into the public, you bear false witness against thy brother, you die. It's the law. That's right. He has no defense in a, credit, in a debt at credit court. Just tell God, good. You know what? Bring it forward and I'll pay it. I didn't know I got him. All he had to do was send me the bill and swear that was true and I would have paid him. There's a tape an interview that he did with some guy from Forbes magazine that can't go through his whole case as to what they did in court and what he said and stuff like that. Dude, what I do in court, my interview would take about 14 seconds. I gave him a notice, put about, mm, I don't know, 11, 12 words on it, and the judge said, um, how do you plead? Uh, I think I got the notice before the court. Everything I need to say is in writing. It's there before the court. I'm just waiting for the man to come forth with the pill. But it's, it's in writing, Your Honor. It's, if you need leave of court to get uh, legal lawful uh, advice, if you need to take a leave of court so you can uh, understand that notice, we'll take as long as you require, Your Honor. But until then, I've got nothing else to say. You know what? It's all there in front of the court at this time. I'm done. That's, well, then, uh, my interview would be so short, it would be the most boring effing radio TV interview on planet Earth. Well, then what happened in court? Nothing. Well, what did they do? I don't know. They went off for three or four or five weeks about some crazy shit. I don't have a clue. Well, then when it was your turn to talk, what did you do? I said, uh, please refer back to the notice that I gave you folks uh, uh, 60 days ago. That's all i got to say. I'm done. There's nothing yeah. else to see. Oh, I guarantee you. He said, well, then we did this, and we said this, and we did this, and we put a motion, we put evidence, and witnesses on the stand, and we uh, bring forth the law that's true. That, oh, it's crazy shit. Why would I want to watch a video of a man drowning? He he even said this in his interview, that that's what they do. They wait for you to say a word, and you can say the wrong word, and that's the next thing you know, you're sitting in jail. Like I said, I just, I just saw somebody with, with an IRS case up there in New England, and I told the guy, you're going to go to jail. He's like, what? Because yeah. you won't stop talking. You put the notice before the court, then they read the notes out into the open court, and you sit back and do nothing. And that's it. Was anything you say is going to be used against you? Why are you, why are you speaking for again? What's, what's the purpose of you opening your mouth? Tell me. Just put the damn notice in and let it ride. How tough is this? But no, you guys are so freaking smart. You're too smart for your own good. And a smart man knows the best thing to do sometimes in life is to do nothing. Sometimes the best hand in life is the empty hand. Do you know where I got that from? Cool hand Luke. Paul Newman. When he bluffed him in a game of cards. Sometimes the best hand is the empty hand. I don't need anything. There's nothing for me to say. There's nothing for me to do. You need to prove your case. You just need to bring the man forward and stand on that damn witness stand and say that I owe him a damn debt and I'll pay him every time I owe him. I just put that on... The web page is the very first thing when they click on the web page. I highlight it in yellow. I've never seen a ruling from the court, and every single word is an uppercase. Yeah, so nothing's there. No, no. Even if it's Trinity versus Pagliari, it could be the best citation that's going to support your case on planet Earth. It's the best that you could possibly find. Say it's the best uh-huh. one in the world. The only problem is, is you are going to put it into their case. Their case file, their suitcase. You're going to try to stack your crap into their suitcase. The only problem with that is they're going to do like Larry sent the letter back saying, you know what, if you're not code decipher, if the state doesn't recognize you, is that you went to law school 
and that when you put it on paper, it is 100% accurate. When it's submitted by an attorney, we believe them at face value. We totally believe they researched it. It's, it's accurate. It's uh, honorable. They're not putting something in there that to be deceptive, goodwill hunting. Or... So what was funny is the kid came into the open court and tried to dazzle the judge with bullshit citations and case law and rulings. And the kid was just making it up off the top of his head. If you watch the movie, you watch the very beginning, you don't have to watch the whole movie, but just watch the very beginning when Matt Damon starts citing ridiculous cases off the top of his head in open court. So what I'm saying, a real lawyer would never do that. He would actually put down legitimate, bona fide, real, true cases because he swore to be honorable. He went to law school. He's got the ability to actually, I'm trying to remember that blue book that they use, uh, blue something they call it. They actually find the, the newest, latest, greatest citations and codes. So uh, they actually do the homework, you know. But like I said, a Joe Average, who was putting it in, in that state of Ohio case, she could have been making this shit up just to make her paperwork look awesome. It's like, holy, yeah. what, what does this actually literally say? What, what does it read? And it's like, holy cow, that's great. It's like, um, did a lawyer submit this? It's like, no. You know, uh, Matt Damon submitted it. Holy crap. <laughs> who submitted this? Matt Damon. Oh, shit. And so we actually got to read, you know, Hale versus Hinkle 1902, or we actually got to read Trinity versus Paglia. We really got to go back and read this stuff and see, like, where was it? It was in, it was in the United States District Court? You mean it didn't, it, it's not from the United States Supreme Court ruling? No. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, the only problem in 1964 there might have been 18,012 similar cases throughout the United States district courts. And that might be the only one that went that way in favor of the plaintiff, favor of the defendant, whichever way it went. The other 18,312 went the other way. Are you telling me that this has something to do with the case that's before this court at this time? You pro se people, you common people, did it to yourselves. Because back in the 1960s, you guys started leaning up all the judges because you got decisions that you didn't like. In the 1970s, you guys started writing all kinds of site drafts, buying all kinds of shit based upon your birth certificate numbers. So you people basically did it to yourselves. Now, the court clerks won't take any shit from you people anymore. We're not going to accept anything from you people anymore because your people did it to yourselves. You clogged up this court system back in the 60s. You clogged it up in the 70s. We're tired of your crazy bullshit. And uh, you know what? The only way we're going to accept the paperwork is through an attorney. If you want to put a case in, you're losing jurisdiction over them by using these words in this form. And I explain in great detail. And I said, Tom, it took me like 18 hours to do the first paragraph. I'm not going to do the other 6,812 paragraphs. This is insane. He had so many jurisdictional shifts just in the first paragraph alone. I couldn't figure out which way this guy was going with this case at his court, then it was in the U.S. court, then it's a Texas court, now it's back to his court. I said, dude, this, when you're really reading this stuff and you know what you're reading, it is, it's nauseating. It's like listening to a train wreck, but it's just saying this is a song, this is a music sheet, this is a composition. Dude, this is a train wreck. Like when I went over to England, so Bali gave me the paperwork, and I gave it to Bali and said, did you read this? He's like, yeah. I said, okay, do you understand what it says? So Bali read it, da 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 And he was done in about, I don't know, 22 seconds. So then Bali gave it to me, and I'm standing there reading it, reading it, reading it. And about 15 minutes went by, and Bali's like, um, call? He said, I said to him, I said, I haven't been able to get past the first sentence. I'm trying to figure out how they're going to establish jurisdiction. 
the way they wrote this first sentence, they're never claiming jurisdiction over the man. They're not ordering this man to do a damn thing, and it's totally voluntary. I'm trying to see where you believe that they are telling him to do something. It's not here. I said, and I, I said I'm looking at the first sentence. I don't need to go any further. Because it says right here, it's voluntary. And I'm saying I'm trying to read every single way into that first sentence where you could possibly believe that it's anything but voluntary compliance. Because it doesn't exist. It's not here. The first sentence clearly says it's voluntary. But it doesn't use the word voluntary. It's the way they wrote it. It's the way they used uppercase, lowercase. It's, it's totally up to him. Where do you believe in here that it says him to do it? Well, look, right here it says, it doesn't say that. Where do you think it says that? It's not there. I said, you believe it's there. So you put it into reality. Nobody's telling this man to do a damn thing. Do you realize you're telling me that you do not have the jurisdiction or the control of authority to issue me the citation, but you did it anyway? And he was like, stood silent, and he shut up. He's like, uh... You're like, yeah, because you just told me, even though we don't have control over man or what they do with their vehicles or their property, we still issue them citations so we can have some sort of control over man. Because man believes it. Right. But if man just read the damn law, he'd see that we have absolutely no jurisdiction or control over his movements or his property. And I said to Bali, where do you believe it says anything on this piece of paper that this, this, the county, the council over here, is commanding the man or ordering the man to do any damn thing with his property or the possessions upon it? He says, well, it doesn't say that. There's nobody's name on it. Nobody created this damn thing. Nobody's ordering you to do a damn thing. Rugby World Council is not a man. Rugby World Council doesn't have vocal cords. You believe that Rugby World Council is telling, the county is telling you to do this. You believe it, so you make it true. You make it so. You fight and you argue over something that doesn't even exist. Until you believe it exists, and you believe it has power and control, you manifest it into existence, you asshole. You're bringing it out of the second dimension and bringing it into the third dimension. You're manifesting it into existence. You're believing in it. You believe it's true. You believe you're witnessing it. You believe it has an effect on you. You're letting the stupid letter affect your blood pressure. It's dilating your pupils. It's increasing your heart rate. You believe this piece of paper has some force and effect on your third dimension, on you. I can see it. You're sweating. You're palpitating. It's a piece of paper with spirographics on it. Put a picture on it. What does it have to do with you? Walk away. Oh, well, I have to do something about this. Do, do what? It's like, dude, it's a dream. Get over it. It was a dream. It was a nightmare. Just, just get over it. Walk away. You know, and like I said, and I explained to people how to write back to whoever sent this thing. And like, IRS sent it to me. It's like, oh, okay, Mr. and Mrs. IRS, thank you for sending this lovely correspondence, this letter. You know, how, how may I address you? Mr. and Mrs. IRS, how would you wish to be addressed? You know, I don't think we were formally introduced. Let me introduce myself. I'm a man. And who are you again? Nice little simple howdy-doody letters. Hey, how do you do, man? Lovely, lovely presentment. Lovely document. Lovely. But Mr. and Mrs. IRS, you know, um, I don't think we were properly introduced. And that's what I tried to explain to this guy, this Ernie Land guy, was that's who you want to go after. But he came back and said, well, some lady did testify, you know, about this, that, and that, and the other thing. I said, some lady doesn't mean nothing. Did you ask the judge, is she testifying? And he will tell you, no, she's not. Did you ask? Or do you think you just saw the woman testifying? Because when I went to court with my buddy, not too long ago, I asked the judge a simple question because the bank's attorney was in the courtroom. I said, are you accepting testimony today? He said, absolutely not. 
And there you go. And it's like, well, then, the bank proceed, and you proceed, and everybody proceeds all you want, and I'll just save this for uh, circuit court upstairs. I said, am I in a court of record? He says, nope. I said, good. He said, I'm in an EC3 court, a court of nowhere. He said, that's right. So no testimonies given today? He said, that's right. So nobody's here? Nobody's here. So I said, you know I'm present here as a man. He said, you're not noticed. I said, well, there you go. Thank you. There's Uh, nothing left to me to do. And he was being straight up honest. No, nobody's testifying today. So like I said, you know what? I'll just, I'll file a case and I'll move it upstairs where I can give testimony and when I summon them to appear, they're going to have to testify as well. He said, absolutely. That's the way you do it. I said, okay, thank you. And that's what I said to my friend. I said, look, anytime you want me to move the case upstairs, I'll go get the, the president of the uh, bank, the man, the CEO, who's ever the controlling officer, who's ever in control of his little uh, uh, corporation, monster. I'll, I'll get him. I'm just to appear. Yeah. And he could testify it's true or it's not true. Because it was a very simple thing. It, it just said that the, the bank was called the plaintiff. It said the plaintiff uh, was at the auction and it was the highest bidder. And I got five human beings that you know that have no vested interest in the outcome who could swear in open court because I walked around and I talked to the people at the auction. Look, if you bid on this man's house and you win, just why don't you just let him stay, charge him five hundred, whatever, thousand dollars a month, they'll pay you. So when they said, Well, uh, does you know, anybody bid? And I said, Yeah, I bid, I bid a dollar. And they said, Well, you know, that's not enough. I said, Okay, well, how much is the starting bid then? They said seventy three thousand. I said, You ain't gonna get that in anybody's lifetime. That'll never happen. Nope. So obviously, when they put the paperwork into the court on line seven, it said the the bank was the the plaintiff was the highest bidder at the at the auction. And uh, that and like I said, a case just like that got overturned down here. When they said a couple of years ago, the bank did the same stunt, and the husband and wife said, "No, there was no bank representative at the auction. There was no bank at the auction. We were the highest bidders at the auction." Then the clerk of the county told me. He said a similar case happened like this a couple of years ago, and yes, they overturned it. So I said to my buddy, well, anytime you want the sale overturned, you just let me know, and we'll file the paperwork and we'll do it. They're they're moving him around now, a county jail, because he was in a federal. <clears throat> they're moving him around in a county jail until this next trial comes up. And it's the same thing I said to the other guy when he rescinded his contract from the bail or the bond or whatever you want to call it that he was doing. Well, the terms and conditions of the release, an ankle bracelet. He had two more felonies against him just for putting that four inches of paperwork into the court. And then I, we talked around the, the the next two felonies he had, and I explained he it was an IRS case. And, and like I said, they said, well, uh, I guess we'll hold this off to sometime next year. We got a lot of cases ahead. Uh, I said, no, you better move your case against this man next week like you said you would. I'm going to show this man how to file a claim in a case against you. You know, he wants his damn ankle bracelet off him. And he was like, well, you know, he's got to wait to try. I said, look, I'm going to show this man how to modify terms and conditions of his release. And yeah. I'm going to show this man how to move a case, a claim against you for failing to move your case, for failing to prosecute. You know, it's got to be a timely a timely case, you know, fair and speedy trial. Yeah, I'm going to show this right. man how to move, right. move a case. If you don't move it like you said you want to move it, you want to delay it, but still restrict his movements, oh, no. Then we're, not, we're not playing this. I wrote three, like, notices for the man. I said, mail these, mail this one today. When they answer you in a day or two, mail this one. When I answer to you in a day or two, mail this third one. And that should get your ankle bracelet off you, at least. He called up my show about a week or two later. says, well, yes, well, how did it work? He said, well, they answered the first one. That's great. They answered the second one. I said, well, that's great. They answered the third one. That's great. He said, they answered the fourth one. I said, fourth one? Why fourth one? 
I said, I gave you three. I said, what does it mean? You know, I, you know, I, um, Greg, uh, you know, like a free man, require you to immediately uh, order you to remove this ankle bracelet from my ankle. I said, holy cow. And he's like, oh, I'm going to charge you like, a, you know, a dollar a day or for every day, a minute that you right, don't right. Holy. I said, dude, I just got those felonies taken off you. What are you, out of your effing mind? We were told by the attorneys that they listened to our, my show. So, like, the prosecutors enough would like to know how to how to deal with your paperwork. You got millions and millions and millions of persons that have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So when you see one or two man paperwork that comes through here, throw it in the waste and just move on to another case that you can win easier. Because persons are morons. Persons have no effing clue with who they are and where they stand and what their status is. You don't need me to address this to a convention. Just tell them. You see the word man on there somewhere? Two, three sentences, done? Run like hell. If you bring this stuff out into an open court, into an open forum, and you challenge men, and this starts picking up speed, you're going to do your own demise because you're bringing it into the public. Right. I said, right now, this isn't very well known in the public. I said, go ahead and do this and have some man win and have some guy in the, who's in a newspaper reporter listening to this. The newspaper reporter is going to get curious and say, what the hell just happened? And he's going to say, you know what, I, I think there's something to this. So the best thing to do is just walk away yes. and don't try to prosecute a man. Just let it go. I said, and that way, this way, this way, this my stuff that I'm doing won't pick up any speed. It'll have to be like me telling one person at a time and teaching one person at a time. Now I put in a claim, and of course now they're trying, you know, everything has changed. They're trying to back off. They're trying to do this and that. Now they haven't answered my notices me in jail uh, for contempt because it was my fault. I asked them to uh, please show me the law that says you can dismiss a man's claim. And instead of doing it on paperwork, he told me to shut up. And I asked him one more time, and so he gave me a day in jail. <laughs> That's fine. I thought you were lesson. Yeah, you're not speaking to a man. Yeah. You didn't convene your court. I did. Well, I have been convening my court, but what they do is, like you were saying, they joust back and forth with the jurisdictions. So I asked the joust back, you know, and, and then... You forgot to ask who the hell you were talking to. You forgot to ask who was addressing you. Well, Clyde, what I did do was when he gave me the contempt, the criminal contempt, uh, he, I told him, well, if you're going to put that in order, please put it in order for me because you are speaking to a man and uh, you are a man. If you're going to order me, I'm going to ask for compensation once I carry out your order. Well, that's great. Right. And he, Yeah, he gave me a look and I'm going to give him a bill. For the 24 hours I spent in there, so. Oh, he just gave you a look. He didn't. He didn't say anything. Nope. didn't say a word. Did you ask? Did you ask him, sir? Do you, do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Or do I got to put in a formal writing? Well, what I what I should have said was after I said, uh, make sure you put it in an order. And he did. He did put it in order. I do have a copy of the order, so that's why I'm going to use as Exhibit A and for my signed. bill, of course. And it's signed. Yes. And yes. it's signed with his name. Yes. You know how the signatures are, uh, whether or not they're stamped, I'm not sure. I don't think it was a wet one. Yeah, well, that's okay. As long as they could, you know, like I said, as long as he admits that that's his signature fixed upon that paper. Yes. That's all that matters. A seal, it could be a thumbprint, it could be anything. As long as he admits that's his mark. That's all. So I've got a, a notice in to them because, like I said, he was trying to dismiss my claim. And what happened was... 
he can't. Like, he, no, no, he didn't dismiss your claim. He can't. Right, exactly. He's right. trying to. He's, he's saying, I'm dismissing the plaintiff's claim. Well, there was no plaintiff here. It's a, it's a man. So, well, still, you, you were talking for something that doesn't exist. He was addressing the plaintiff. He wasn't addressing you. It's just like if you were a guy on the third balcony screaming, you can dismiss him and point his claim. He says, whoever said that, hold him in contempt of court. You, you don't understand what he was doing. If he wasn't talking to you. He was talking to something called plaintiff. Yeah, I had to keep correcting him. But no, you're not you are correcting him. Dude, he's what? talking to the plaintiff. That's like a right, guy right. yelling out the third balcony. Like the plaintiff almost appeared. 
the defendant almost appeared. The other side was almost there in that room at that time. Let's see if we can't get these to react to this. Let's see if we can't get these to believe that this is actually having an impact and actually has an ability to control and move them. Because that's all jurisdiction is, is control. Oh, can, did we get jurisdiction over you? Yes, why? Because you reacted. By your actions and your inactions, we realize if we control you. So that's why I said, well, the most important things is your inactions. Not your actions. Your inactions speak louder than your actions. What didn't you do? Right. Not what you didn't. What, what didn't you do? I didn't say I require leave. And I'll you shouldn't right. have said a damn thing. You put your paperwork in. You're in a paper court. And it, there's nothing on the other side that's speaking. Everything's paper. You put your paper before the court. And you shut up. There is nobody. There is no man, no woman appearing in that courtroom that day but you. So you look insane talking to an empty courtroom. Although in, in my first hearing, I did call for the two men that I have the claim so that they would come forth. And, of course, I did that twice, and he stopped me the third time. How did he stop you? Only a man could stop you. Well, I shouldn't say stop me. He interrupted me and then went into a... He uh, interrupted you because you thought you heard a tree in a forest fall? So yes, you let the tree well, in a forest fall control you? You thought you heard a man speak? Yes. You really? And, and, you, and, you, and you said to him, is there a man speaking to me at this time? I think I hear something, but I'm not sure. Is there a man in this court as well as I? Yes or no? No. Well, then I'm going to continue speaking. That's yeah. my fault no. again. You don't know your shit, so you're going to keep hanging yourself. And this isn't a game, and this isn't like, oh, boy, i got to write this down. Because when the judge says this, I'm going to say this. Because when the judge is going to say something else. And like I said, well, people are going to say, oh, cool, oh, wow. I like what Carl just said. I'm going to write this down. And I'm going to, and when I go to court, they're going to do this. Da, 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 da. The only problem is now the judge is going to say that. And then other judges will say this, and the judge is going to say that. Da, 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 da. It, like I said, my stuff is a lifestyle. It's not, oh, well, that's a trick, and that's a cool trick, and that's a cool trick. And I said, uh, I'm uh, the next friend for this, uh, the man before you at this time. And they said, uh, and how do you wish to aid and assist this court? He said, you're looking for the person known as Balraj Man? Yes. The person known as Balraj Man is now present before this court. So the clerk said, well, how, how, how is the person now before this court? I said, yes, the person is before the court as well as the man. The man and the person are both before this court. How is that? Is the person has a duty and obligation according to his right within the society in which he has certain duties and obligations which he must hold behold. And if he fails in those duties that he ascribed to, the society may impose upon him, such as penalties, fines, jail terms, death, whatever. The only problem is the person in whom you seek is not a member of the legal society. And I believe you have a legal complaint against this man, a legal criminal complaint against this man before the court this day, correct? Yes, well, this man is an idiot in legalese. He does not speak legalese. He's not a member of the legalese, nor is any of the other individuals that this court summons to appear today are part of the legal society. Thank God their skin is brown. It's going to make my job a lot easier to prove to this court that they are not proper Englishmen. They have no duty and obligation to act any way in any manner that your society subscribes because they did not subscribe to your society. They are Punjabi. I guarantee if they violated or committed any crime or act uh, against the Punjabi society, they will be dealt as such. I said, but you have no jurisdiction or control of Punjabi because he is not of your society. They are idiots when it comes to legalese. But yep. yes, the person that you seek before the court, yes. But a person of the Punjabi society, not of the legal 
British, UK, Crown society. Yes, they are persons, but not to your society, to their own society, which they have done no wrong. And I said, there is no man that's going to come forth to this day and take that stand and testify that they have done anything wrong to any man of any society. Persons, yes. Man, no. And this is a common law land, yes. Then they evoke the right to have the man come forward and move their case against them. And that will never happen. So are they guilty as charged? You better believe it. But are they guilty of doing anything wrong? No. They owe no debt to no man. And they have no debt to the crown because they can't be guilty. They can't hold a debt to the crown because they don't even know the, the rules, the bylaws. They don't subscribe. There's no document that's going to prove they're a member of the, the legal society. So then the judge was like, and, and who are you again? He's like, my name is Carl Lentz. He said, I'm from, I'm from the United States of America. I, hail, I said, I hail from the United States of America. No, I'm not from it. I hail from it. Yes. He said, how do you spell your name? And it's like K-A-R-L-L-E-N-T-Z. He said, okay, Mr. Carl Lentz. I said, okay, L-E-N-T-Z. Z. He says, oh, Z. Yeah, Lentz. He's like, yes, Carl Lentz. He says, have a seat next to your friend, sir. So I was in a peanut gallery, but I jumped up and said, oh, no. The judge was like, if the person is known as this, this, and this, ain't it before the court, uh, the court will reconvene. Uh, when's the next time we have an indictment? Oh, six months. I said, oh, F, no. And he's like, and somebody's like, what? Oh, F, no. There's the person's here. I can testify to that. There's a person here known as Paul Rajman. You are a person of the Punjabi society. You are a person. But you're not a person of the legal society. The Crown is bringing you before the court, not the Punjabis. You owe no duty and obligation to and then I realized, you know what, this is a lifestyle. It's, it's in you. You know how to act in public. You are raised properly. You know how to perform. You know when you're dealing with a man. You know when you're dealing with your servants. And you, you know when you're the king. And, and they can tell you when you're not the king. And right. they can see that you know your shit in a half a heartbeat. You open five your gums like you fit in court. If I was the judge, dude, I, you know, I'll hold you in contempt of court until you get it out of your system. You come back and yeah. open your mouth again, see what's going to happen to you. I'm going to get it out of your system one way or the other. You're going to learn how to act in public. Mommy, Daddy didn't teach you how to act in public. I'll teach you. Well, yeah, and that's what he told me in court. Stop doing what I'm doing as far as bringing forth my claim. Right. It's not that time. It's not that time. The judge realizes my claim is there before the court. He realizes it. He sees it. He knows. What's the claim I made before the court? Just bring a man forward and and, and, uh, and, and this is over. But it'll never happen. So you're going to have to discharge whatever they're bringing into this court based upon my claim that they've done no wrong. I said, look, if this judge calls you a bunch of idiots, at the end when the ruling comes, you're going home. If he says you're competent, you're fried. So pray that he calls you an idiot. And I said to the Punjabi interpreter, however you have to describe to these people in Punjabi, idiot, tell them not to react negatively, to smile. Then whatever derogatory word you've got to use, about the word idiot, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing to be told that in legalese. In street language, it's a slap in the face. In legalese, it's a beautiful word. He realizes they're strangers. They have no duties and obligations as a stranger, as a guest. Just be patient, and you guys can't be patient. You guys want to do like the lawyers say in this jurisdiction. Well, if you fail to object, you have nothing for an appeal. What appeal? Appeal what? You don't speak legalese. What are you going to appeal? You didn't hear anything. Exactly. There's nothing to appeal. You're talking legalese. You're talking Chinese, Japanese. How, how can I appeal? Like he told me, he said, all these Supreme Court justices down here of Alabama, 
He said they're elected. They don't have a clue about the law. He said they all do what they're told to do. He says they do like what the attorney general and the politicians tell them to rule. Because they're not lawyers. They're not attorneys. They're elected. I could go be elected for the Supreme Court of Alabama. You don't have to be an attorney. You just have to be elected. Well, like I said, look at what this one man wrote to me the other day. We, we started working on a letter campaign back and forth. And uh, the first letter he wrote, I said, looks good. And then he sent a second letter. I said, look, if they don't respond in two, three days, send the second letter. And the second letter was basically like the first letter. I got the second letter real quick, follow-up letter. It just basically said, I sent you a letter. You know, it says, you can say I sent you a correspondence, but he used the word letter. That's fine. Like letter mm-hmm. to me is A, B, C, D. That's a letter. Right. But, that, but that's okay, you know. He said, I sent you a letter, and I haven't heard back from you. Are you in possession of the letter? Maybe the letter was lost and delayed in the mail. Here is a copy. Would you please call or text me at blah, 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 and let me know that you're in receipt of this letter. I wish you well. God bless. And the man's name is Joe. I said, good. That's the second follow-up letter. That's good. It's not exactly the way I'd write it, but you know what? The man's going to get the gist of it. Did I send you a letter? What? You sent him a letter, Q? What letter did you send him? (laughs) You know, but you know what I'm saying. Good enough. Yeah. You know, but then the next letter, he the, the third letter to me is insane. So uh, the third letter was, I am asking you, man to man, do you believe I'm guilty of doing something wrong? Regards, Joe. I said, holy shit. I said, you do not send that. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God. And I just said, laugh online, LOL. No, we will need to talk about this letter. And then, yeah. he, wrote, he, wrote, and then he tried to call me and I said, sorry, I'm busy. I'll call you back later. And he said, okay. So like I said, you know, he's he's getting the letter. He's starting to understand what I'm trying to say, but you've got to write letters back and forth. But when he got to the third letter, he's calling a guy out. You don't call nobody right. out. He's like, that sounds kind of threatening. Are you trying to yeah. tell me I did something wrong? You know, I was like, no, dude, 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 that's all right. That's all right. You know, the guy's just doing his job. He's the prosecutor. He's not saying anybody did anything wrong. He don't talk to him like that. But like I said, he just sent it to me today, and I haven't had time to respond back yet how he should modify that letter. And that's what I was saying to the guy with the ankle bracelet on. He ordered that they take the ankle bracelet off, and he goes back to the state of being he was before the ankle bracelet was on. I said, dude, you begged them to put that ankle bracelet on. There is no other man's name. Dude, I don't even see the United States government's name. I don't see the U.S. Marshal Service name on it. I don't see anybody's name on that, on that wish to have that uh, ankle bracelet put up on your leg. Except for yours. He says, no, it says, right. dude, I read the damn thing. I'm not, don't try to bullshit me. I read it. So they said, they didn't say anything, dude. You said you wanted it on your leg as a term and condition of your release. You said it, not them. Mm-hmm. He probably never this, read it, so you're right. No, he did read it, but you guys read this shit, and you think it's, they're saying it. Wow. You're saying it. They don't have a vocal cords. They don't have ears. They don't have a conscience. They don't have a soul. They have nothing. They're not saying shit. You think that's what it says. Did anybody stand in court and tell you that that's what it says? No. Did you ask anybody? No. Did anybody tell you to put it in a form of writing and sign and order you to put that ankle bracelet on you? No. Then you did it with your own free will because you wanted to get out of jail. So guess what's going to happen, asshole? you ordering them to take this off your ankle you want to go back to the way it was? I said, guess what's going to happen? Where were you the, the minute that you signed it? You weren't sitting in a federal prison somewhere with an ankle, without an ankle brace. So guess what they're going to do? I said, dude, what you were supposed to do is make a modification of the agreement. And you could say, well, you know what? 
Uh, thank you for putting this ankle bracelet on me. It's a lovely ankle bracelet. I'm sure it costs a lot of money and a lot of research and development to, to do such a wonderful product. The only problem was is at the time was uh, I wanted to go home and see my family, and I was in terms of condition release. Now that I look back at it, I realize this, this hurts my ankle, and I realize this glorious government would never want to do anything to cause harm to man. Can you please come up with an alternative solution uh, that way we could use a product that would not be a detriment to man? Thank you, kind regards. God bless you all. Have a blessed day. Why can you write that? Why do you use this threatening extortion bullshit on U.S. Marshals? What do you have? You can mind. And the next day, his wife's like, boom, she's like, pick them up. Yeah. You don't threaten these people. Well, you don't threaten the person. You don't do it. You look insane. Right. They granted his wish. I said, you can modify the terms and condition of the settlement. That you could do. You put it on you. But I'm telling you, it's not there. I said, look, I don't know if I'm super smart and I see things the different way or I'm so Neanderthal and so back to basic and so simple that I don't put things there that don't exist. I just see black and white. I don't know where you're manifesting all this imaginary shit. I said, maybe I'm too simple. Maybe I'm too stupid. I don't see where it says that. Where do you see it? How do you guys come up with this crazy shit? They already know what the outcome is going to be before you walk into the courtroom, before the parties walk in. The judges and the attorneys already made all their backdoor deals. They're like, wow, that was quick. It's like, oh, you know, you know, I thought we talked. It said, what do you mean you talked and changed this? What are you talking about? You mean, you, you know, you, the judge already knew what was going on before you? Oh, that's right. That's fine. We already talked and we already got it worked out in chambers. We already settled it. Yep. What about the trial? What about the witnesses? What about that? Ah, don't, don't worry about it. And here you think they're representing you. Yeah. They have nothing, no interest in you at all. Nope. They're going to have billable hours. Yeah. So right. like, it's, it's, just, it's just a game. I said, what? Yeah. Do you think, you know, why shouldn't they do it? Because they know that they're only game in town. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Go get an attorney and sue the other attorney? If you folks know you're the only game in town and you're going to monopolize the only courthouse in town and you know you're going to control it basically 100% of the time, Obviously, the enemy gets moved in and out of there. It's going to be by the blessings of the court clerk. And like I said earlier, I said um, the the court clerk should stop you from trying to put any legalese nonsense into somebody else's legal case file. It's like, look, this attorney for the other side, you know, created all these legal documents, and he put it in his case, and it's beautiful. Leave his case and his suit and his documents alone. Don't put your dirty trash what you think is legalese into that man's case. Leave it alone. And like I said, did you, I don't know if you went to my website and saw that where the judge said, you know, he made numerous legal conclusions and, you know, but I don't see anywhere where they're, you know, registered or licensed to the state of Ohio to act as an attorney. That tells it all right there. It's a public building. You're the public. That's a public courthouse. Move your case into the public courthouse. Just like they moved their cases into a public courthouse. The legal society didn't pay for that courthouse. The public paid for that courthouse. Right, I'm receiving an attorney say, well, deduct uh, 20% out of my cut so I can pay for a courthouse. We all got to chip in. That don't happen. It's not coming out of their pocket. It's not coming out of the Bar Association's pocket so they can build a new building. It's not their building. Since Magna Carta, the common law has been the cornerstone of individual liberties, even as against the crown. So when it says even against the crown, they're not talking about the king. They're talking right. about the Bar Association. The Crown is the Bar Association. It's not the King. So when you go against the Crown in, in Canada, you're not going against the King or Queen of England because they disowned the King or Queen of England. The King, the little right. old lady in England has no control over Canada. Trust me. She doesn't wake up in the morning and say, all of Canada must do this. 
Nobody in Canada is going to listen to that 80-year-old lady. Nobody gives a shit. Summarized later in the Bill of Rights, its principles, the common law, have inspired the development of our system of freedom under the law, which is at once our dearest possession and the proudest achievement. This plaque was presented by the Virginia State Bar Association, May 17, 1959. So the Virginia State Bar Association understands the common law. And while the common law is the greatest achievement that we've accomplished as man on this continent, because it protects us from the crown and protects us from the bar, Yes. If the bar associations admitting it, putting in plain sight, what is wrong with the common man to not understand common law? This is like Carl Lentz put this plaque up at the Jamestown Colony. The bar association put it up. So if I put it up there, they'll call. That's just what you believe. That's what you believe. You believe the common law was established here upon this continent to protect us from the crown, the bar association. That's just your belief, Carl. It's like, well, the only problem is the Bar Association agrees. Why? Yeah, because they are the ones who actually put it up. Oh, no, Carl, yep. that's your crazy beliefs. Every time I go to court, the judge always says there is no common law. Common law, where? In this case before the court, he's telling you the truth. Where's your case based in common law? Do you have one there in front of the court at that time? No. Well, then it does not exist in this courtroom at this time. Admiralty exists. Right. Bankruptcy exists. Divorce exists. Traffic law exists. Common law doesn't exist. Because you didn't evoke it. You didn't move it into the courtroom, asshole. But does common law exist? Not at this particular moment in time. Just like the first thing I asked the judge is, uh, are we taking testimony today, Your Honor? No, we're not. Okay, well, then there's nothing for us to say. Thank you. It's like, well, if you you don't like the ruling of the court, appeal it. Appeal what? There's nothing being testified to appeal. For me to file an appeal, there must be testimony for the appellate court to review. If nobody's testifying today, if nothing's speaking in court, everything is in writing. I'll just move a claim against what they wrote. And what they wrote on line seven was the plaintiff was the highest bidder at the auction. So that negates everything under, everything from seven under is void because that's fraud. They didn't appear. I got five human beings that will swear and testify under oath that there was no representative of the bank at that auction. And I'm just waiting for the county uh, recorder's office that they shifted off to the attorney for the county to record the transactions and the events that occurred at the day of the auction, and that takes six months. Six months hasn't happened, passed since the auction, so we're going to have to wait for the attorney, report and review of what transpired during that auction on that day. So the attorney's going to have to bullshit and lie for the bank, saying yeah. the bank was there. But the only problem is I'm going to bring five people of this county before the court because I know all their names. That's going to say, that's no captain. And we're going to ask, hey, attorney, were you there at the auction? Because we didn't see you. So this is going to be a really interesting report that this attorney is going to have to generate on what actually transpired at the time of the sale because the attorney is supposed to be there and give a recording of the event of the auction. And there's no attorney sitting on that courthouse steps that day. And I explained that the people, it's the same thing we have in this country. It's uh, the Federal Civil Procedure. I think it's Rule 41. And uh, somebody looked it up one time and said, yeah, call it right. It's either 41 or 43. I think it's 41. If somebody's prosecuting you, the defendant has to agree to tell the prosecutor that he no longer wishes to be prosecuted. The prosecutor can't just say, I don't want to prosecute no more. If you're a defendant, you say, oh, F no, motherfucker. You're going to prosecute me because I'm going to win. And when I win, I'm going to turn around and sue you for everything you got. But I told the guy, look, just accept that the prosecutor wishes to, you know, uh, dismiss the claim against you. And because you have no idea how to actually pursue them now, flip it around on them, say, oh, no, you better continue prosecuting me. 
Because the minute you stop is the minute I start, and I'm going to win. And when I win, I'm going to come after you, and I'm going to own Australia. So you just go ahead and just F with me. Go ahead and try to stop. you better keep pursuing me. But this guy Felix is like, look, I just want them to stop. I said, well, then just sign the confirmation letter. So he emailed me all the confirmation letters. He emailed me all that stuff. But like I said, Huck Kid went to jail at 17 years. Well, that didn't go to jail. Got arrested at 17 and pled guilty to having a joint in her pocket. Now the kid's in jail now for whatever. Uh, she's 22 yeah, or 25. Like years. Yeah, whatever. It's not that she had the, the joint in the pocket was a, a charge that could lead up to five years in prison. But everybody knows, look, that's a tiny amount. Who cares? It's just a little tiny. She's a 17-year-old girl. She's experimenting. No big deal. Just plead out. Stay clean for a year. You know, behave for a year. And it'll be gone. So everybody just signs, yay, let's sign that plea agreement. Our class says, yay, let's sign a plea agreement. Yeah. Well, if he gets a speeding ticket, he spits on the sidewalk. He really pissed a lot of cops off in North Carolina by putting that blue light on his, on, a, on his dashboard and pulling them over all the time. So the first time he does anything wrong, just like Darlene's kid, the first time a kid did anything wrong, it's five years in jail. So, the first, so yeah, these plea agreements sound wonderful, just like the judge warned me in North Carolina. He says, look, he, he said this to me right in open court. He says, you got any other state you can live in. He's like, well, I got folks in Virginia, Florida, New York. He says, pick a state and leave. I said, why? He said, because um, what you're on, you're on three years unsupervised probation. He says, so what that means is if you get caught speeding or any violation whatsoever, if you do anything, he said, you'll be spitting on a sidewalk, you'll be failing to stop for a stop sign, anything whatsoever in the state of North Carolina. I don't care if you did two years and 355 days, or 353 days, you got you know, 354 days in the year, whatever. You, you, you got one day to go, one minute to go, and you, you did your full three-year probation, or you did your 30-year probation, and you're up to year 29 and one more day to go. What's going to happen is, is if you get caught with any kind of violation, it could be the, the simplest violation. He says, what's going to happen, you could be on the other side of the state and get a speeding ticket or a stop sign violation. They're going to run your background check on you. They're going to find out you're on parole or probation for this moonshine. They're going to arrest you. They're going to take your truck and whatever tools you got, and they're going to impound it way out on the other side of the state. Then they're going to haul your ass here in a bus back over here to this county. And we start from day one. You get charged again with a federal felony. It's not down to a state or local misdemeanor. It's going to go right back up to a federal felony. You're looking at three years in prison, and you're looking at a federal trial, a United States District Criminal Court trial, when we solved it here. So do yourself a favor and go to Florida. I said, or, or, or he said, or Virginia, or wherever he said you go. I said, well, it's wintertime. I might as well go to Florida, you know, because it's cold. I don't want to go to Virginia or New York. He said, well, fine. Wherever you go, God bless you, and have good luck. I said, well, what happens if I go through a stop sign in Virginia? He says, I dropped it down to a misdemeanor. It's not extraditable. He says, you, um, we're not going to extradite you for a misdemeanor. Yes, when a cop pulls your social security number up, yes, when he pulls up your name, he's going to see that you're on parole for a misdemeanor. He's not going to hold your ass from Florida all the way up to North Carolina. But if you, do a, if you do anything in North Carolina, even though it's just a misdemeanor, 
we will hold your ass back here, and you're going to start all over again. And all that good time that you gave us, and uh, you paid $300 fine, you could be up to $295. So say it was like a $30,000 fine. You paid them $29,000. It goes back to zero, like you never gave them a dime. And if you did drug and alcohol classes that they had you make you do, six months of drug or six months of alcohol class and six months of anger management, all that shit gets wiped off. And if you enter a plea deal again, you got to do the six months of alcohol again, six months of drug assessment, six months of in-house, and six months of this. He says it's just a racket. You're just gonna, it's just going to be a vicious circle. So when this guy said, Rod Class is not in jail. Yeah, what we do, buddy? Did he sign some yeah. sort of plea agreement? He did. He took a plea, and then he got a for proceedings held before the judge, sentenced uh, 2-9-15, uh, Rod, uh, Rod Class, count one, defendant sentenced to time served, 24 days incarceration, followed by a supervised release, a uh, period of 12 months, and an assessment of $100 fine, $250 imposed on status of defendant, supervised release. Um, and then he just filed a notice of appeal uh, on the 13th. That was on the 9th. So he pled out and then appealed, 